Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everyone. Shep Hyken, your customer service and experience expert and your host of Amazing Business Radio. I am so excited about today's interview coming up with Nate Spears. I met Nate uh, back in an event that I was speaking at just about a month ago in Salt Lake City, where his company, uh, which is ClearSource, is located. And we're going to talk about his philosophy, which is amazing. We, we got into this conversation about culture and training employees uh, who are on the front line, running the customer support uh, initiatives that they have. A- a- absolutely amazing. I- I've got to get you on my show. He's never written a book. Uh, I don't even believe he's ever done an interview like this, but we're going we're gonna, <laughs> to we're gonna put him to the test here, and I'm sure he's going to succeed and uh, just do amazing, share amazing information for us. But what I want to talk about, since we are going to be talking about call centers, support centers, people on the front line dealing with customers, and by the way, you don't have to be in any of those specific jobs to enjoy this episode. Uh, I believe we're going to be talking, I've got a list of questions to ask him that have to do with all types of things, everything from satisfying customers to creating emotional connections. Uh, He understands sentiment, tone, uh, emotional connection, all types of different different areas related to the customer. But what I want to talk about before we jump on the call with Nate is about sincerity. You can't script sincerity. I know it's really easy to spot that salesperson at a store, uh, the, the server at a restaurant, or the customer support rep that you happen to call that's supposed to be helping you and be friendly when they are so unsincere, insincere. Um, you know, I, I, and I talk about this over and over again. The first thing we must always do when a customer has a, a tenuous situation is we, we must acknowledge that situation. It's their reality. Whether we think it's a big deal or not, to them, it's probably a big deal. You know, a, a concept like where you would say, and I can understand why you would feel that way, and we're really sorry for the inconvenience. I think starting out with that kind of a line is really good, but you got to follow it up by asking questions, by engaging with the customer. And the one thing I don't want to hear, oh, this drives me crazy, is when the support rep says, again, two minutes later, I can understand why you would feel that way, and we're sorry for your inconvenience. And then a few minutes later, after things aren't getting resolved and the customer's upset again, guess what that support center rep says? Again, I can understand why you would feel that way. And we are blah, 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 blah. Sorry for your inconvenience. This is scripted. It's, it's not authentic. It's, 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 it's a waste of energy because at the end of the day, customer, the customer may get uh, accomplished what the customer set out to do, which is get their question answered or their problem resolved. But what do you think the walk away, take away feeling that customer is going to have? It's surely not going to be one of, wow, I really think those guys are great. They heard me. They understood me. Now, I really feel a connection to that company. No, it's the exact opposite. Those people don't really care. Well, at least I know who to call when I have a problem. But you know what? The next time this customer has an opportunity to do business with someone else that sells the same product or services that you and your company are selling, if you don't give them, the, if you give them that insincere uh, experience, 
they're going to switch to a company that makes them feel like they're being heard. So bottom line is you cannot script sincerity. All right. With that in mind, that's my short little monologue to set up the interview that we're going to have with Nate Spears coming up just after this really short break. Shep Hyken on Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information. All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the Shepherd Letter form, and each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more, all about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Well, we're back on Amazing Business Radio, and as I do every episode, I promise you an amazing interview, and this week will be no exception. We have Nate Spears, who is the COO and the co-founder of ClearSource. And the best way to describe ClearSource is if you decided you wanted to have an amazing customer support department but didn't want to manage it, didn't want to hire the people, didn't want to do everything that goes to the work of putting it into you would go to Nate's company, ClearSource, and they would do all the support on phone, email, chat, social media, I know Nate has been, you know, following me, and I kind of knew a little bit about his organization for, uh, gosh, a number of years. And then we met just last month, I believe, uh, in Salt Lake City, where his headquarters is located. So, Nate, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Thank you, Shep. It's a pleasure to be on. Well, so, Nate, did I do justice to describing what you guys do? Absolutely. Our whole focus is to take the best concepts in customer service from companies that are very well known for creating an exceptional customer experience, and we try and kind of package that up and offer it to companies on an outsourced basis. And you have this great philosophy, and this is what got me most excited. You said to me you take the best of the hotel industry, the hospitality industry, I call it the hospitality mentality, and you bring it to the support center, and that's the type of service that you want to deliver. Absolutely. I think that we can all think of a company or two that are well-known for creating an exceptional customer experience. For me, companies like Zappos, Disney, Ritz-Carlton, and Nordstrom come to mind. Mm -hmm. And I guess the question you might ask yourself is, if I could hire a customer service staff that had all been trained by Disney or by Nordstrom, wouldn't they do an awesome job? I think the answer to that question is absolutely. And so what we try and do is we take the concepts that those companies have been preaching for years and we say, let's package those up and be able to be able to offer those by having a team of people that are trained in those concepts and in those philosophies. So do you actually send people to the Disney Institute or go through the Ritz-Carlton program? Absolutely. So Disney actually came here, Disney Institute, uh, to Salt Lake uh, last year and did training on customer service as well as hiring, selection, and retention it's great to have my team participate in those meetings. Wow, that's great. That's great. All right, so how do you define exceptional customer service? I think for me, my favorite definition came from an article that uh, was put on Forbes on the website. Uh, Damon John, who is one of the Shark Tank right, investors. Right, I know Damon. Clothing brand, FUBU. Yep. He, he in that article, talked, talking about the customer experience and how important it is, indicated that for him, exceptional customer service is when you do for the customer everything you can do 
after you have done what you're supposed to do. And for me, this is the bedrock of everything that we're trying to accomplish here at ClearSource. When I think about what are you supposed to do, it's those foundational items like being available, right? Uh, having the right hours of operation, being able to help customers in the way that they want to be helped, giving correct information, doing what you said you would do. But then a lot of companies tend to stop there. And when I think about, well, after I've done what I'm supposed to do, what could I add on to that? What is everything I can do for the customer? And when I answer that question, I know that I'm creating an exceptional customer experience. Wow, I love that. You know what? You're giving me an idea for an article. I'm going to write a whole article just on what you're supposed to do is just the foundation. That's table stakes uh, on what what a service experience should be because that's the expectation. And anything above and beyond that is is the gravy. And that's what may you know. And and I just want to ask you: Do you believe exceptional is over the top, or do you think it's just better than the foundation? I mean, where 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 do you? How can you measure what exceptional is? For me, there are two things, and I'll go back to uh, one of the one of the in, in my in my past life before starting ClearSource, I worked for BMW, the car company. They have a bank here in Salt Lake City through which the BMW credit card is issued, and I was in a vendor operations role for BMW. We outsourced our customer service work, and so I would go out and teach the customer service providers that we outsourced to about the history and the heritage of BMW. And I would always ask this question: I would say, "What is the opposite?" bad customer service. And after a minute or two, somebody would sheepishly raise their hand and they'd say, good customer service? And I'd say, no, right? The opposite of bad customer service is not good customer service for two reasons. Number one, customers don't remember and they don't tell their friends about good customer service. They're simply meeting an expectation. And so the reality is the opposite of bad customer service is exceptional customer service. You know what you see it because customers at the end of that transaction feel valued by the company they're doing business with. They remember it. They tell their friends about it. I love that. So the opposite of bad customer service is not good, but exceptional. Now, do you remember when you saw me speak just a few weeks ago in Salt Lake City? Uh, I started off with a statistic, which was that $62 billion was lost last year because of poor customer service. But then I followed up with a question. And do you remember the question? I, I probably not, but so I'm not going to put you on the spot. But it was—I well, I do remember it. Do you remember? Yeah, it? you said. You, oh yeah, you said it, it, it is customer satisfaction. Meaning, if customers satisfied, exactly. is that good enough? Right. So the question, yeah, that very close. I asked, how many of you believe it's important to satisfy your customers? And you were the only guy that didn't raise his hand. <laughs> Taking notes. <laughs> well, no, I think you knew the answer. Satisfactory isn't good enough. That is your equivalent of what good is. Because if you look at a scale of one to five, a good is not number five. No, good is it's three. It's average. It's satisfactory. It's, you know, I jokingly say mundane, trite, pedestrian, you know, all the words I use in crossword puzzles. <laughs> but, but good is just in the middle. Uh, if you bump it up a notch, it becomes exceptional. And if you bump it up an even higher notch to number five it becomes over the top and i'm right i know and especially in in what you do because you are dealing your people deal with complaints problems you resolve issues you answer questions i would imagine you have a better opportunity to rise above because problems and opportunities fall in your lap because your customers are calling you for support and help certainly and of course as any company should, we do provide a customer satisfaction survey at the end of our interaction. 
And one of the things that we do that might be a little bit different is that in that survey, when we ask a question, would you rate how the experience with the customer service representative was today? We say, if you felt that the experience was amazing and something you might tell your friends about, press one. If you're satisfied, press two, and so forth. And the number that I'm always focused on is how many customers indicated that the experience was amazing and something they might tell their friends about. To me, that's the needle I'm trying to move. It's the thing that really tells me whether we're doing the right thing for the customer. That sounds a little like uh, NPS-ish. How's that for a word, NPS-ish? <laughs> Net promoter score-ish. And <laughs> uh, that you're looking for the likelihood that they'd recommend somebody, you know, if you felt it was amazing enough to recommend. Absolutely. Well, for me, it's that description, amazing. You mm-hmm. know, you might end a customer service transaction and say, that was okay. I mean, they didn't do anything wrong. They met my expectation. But would you really walk away thinking to yourself, that was amazing, right? And for me, our focus is trying to get customers to walk away from that interaction thinking and feeling that was amazing. Yeah. So what are we doing right now to make sure that the next time the customer needs what we do or what our, you know, for you case, what your, your clients do because you're representing your clients, what are you doing right now to make sure that they felt that the experience was exceptional enough that they would not only come back, but they might recommend it uh, to their friends and talk about it. And I think that you're, you're creating evangelists at that point. <laughs> there are a few things I think that we really focus on, and a lot of it starts well before the actual interaction with the customer, meaning how customer-friendly are the policies that are in place and that enable the customer service representative to do everything they can do for the customer. If I'm tying the, back, the hands behind the back of my customer service representative by saying things like, well, you can only issue this person one exception per year, right? Well, then they're going to have to follow that policy. And it becomes tough, right? Companies always trying to balance cost and experience. But I think if you truly allow the customers to do what, or the customer service representatives to do what Tony Shea calls use good judgment, right. then at the end of the day, you're going to allow them to create the kind of experience where that customer is going to say, man, this company really values my business. They care about me as an individual, and I want to come back. So for me, starting with the policies, make sure that the policies allow the customer service representative to do what they can do, creating an exceptional experience for the customer. And the next thing is we really focus on helping make it a personable interaction so that the customer service representative sounds friendly. At the end of the day, we want them to we want the customer to feel like they've met a, made a friend in that customer service representative. And so often when you speak with someone in customer service, even if they're not reading from a script, they might sound like they're scripted. Uh, there was a telephone call I was listening to. It was a side-by-side where I'm sitting there next to the customer service representative, and she's going through this interaction with the customer, very transactional. And she gets to the point in the conversation where she realizes the customer is from Prescott, Arizona. Well, the customer service representative is also from Prescott, Arizona. So next thing you know, the voice changes. She becomes much more friendly, and they're having this conversation about their favorite things about Prescott, Arizona, and it's this wonderful interaction. Well, after a couple of minutes, the customer service representative realizes she needs to get back to the transaction, and all of a sudden her voice changed again back to this kind of scripted-sounding voice. And I thought for a moment, I was almost shocked, and I thought for a moment she had it, right? She was there having a real connection with this customer. And so the trick is, how do we teach people 
to maintain that throughout the whole conversation? How do we how do we get them started off in their real authentic voice and maintain that throughout the conversation? Right. I think you refer to that as verbal conversation authenticity. Absolutely. I I don't know if you call it that, but I'm calling it that. (laughs) All right. We're talking with Nate Spears, who is the COO and the co-founder of ClearSource. And we are learning uh, the whole philosophy of what goes on behind an extremely successful customer service operation. We're going to take a really short break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask Nate about how he sees customer complaints and the personal emotional connections that he is trying to make between uh, his support center reps and uh, regardless of whether they're on the phone, emailing, uh, responding on social media or even in chat we're going to talk about how you create that connection so we've got a lot more to cover a lot of great information don't go away we'll be right back chef hygen here how would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it day or night well with shepherd virtual training you will have world-class customer service training at your fingertips online 24 7 365 days a year just go to www.shepondemand.com once again that's shepondemand.com and remember always be amazing this is amazing business radio with shep hyken Chef Hockey here, back on Amazing Business Radio, talking with Nate Spears. And uh, we've been talking, oh boy, everything customer service, everything uh, support center related. And, and you've given us some great ideas and some great insights. And you have a way of seeing customer complaints. And a lot of people... A lot of people that I talk to, they're, they, you know, they say, oh, we love complaints. Complaints are a gift. They're an opportunity to show how good we are, on and on and on. And yet sometimes the people on the front line don't see it quite that way. What is your concept of the customer complaint? You're exactly right, Shep. I think that for rank-and-file customer service representatives, it doesn't feel good. And I think we can all empathize with this. It doesn't feel good to have a customer complaining to you. And the tendency is, let's go ahead and throw a solution out there so that I can get this customer to stop complaining because it doesn't feel good. And so what happens then is we lose an opportunity to learn what we can. Now, there's a phrase that I like to use with my team here, and I say, customer complaints are a goldmine of process improvement opportunities. And so to get those process improvement opportunities, you really got to shift the paradigm of the customer service representatives so that it's not focused on how I feel when a customer is complaining to me, but what I can learn from this interaction, what I can learn from this complaint. And what's interesting about it is some of the customers who are complaining the loudest happen to also be big fans of the company they're doing business with. There's one complaint in particular that sticks out in my mind. And it was uh, by a gentleman named Greg. Greg lives in Minnesota, a longtime fan of the company. He had a question about the cost of upgrading a product that he had purchased. And so he reached out to the local franchise, and they gave him one price, and he called the corporate office and got customer service. They gave him a different price. Oh, no. And he thought, well, this isn't good. Price confusion. (laughs) Yeah, he saw an opportunity for the company to get on the same page as its franchisee. And so he called in to explain the situation, but the customer service representative didn't really understand how they could help. And so they 
proceeded to try and offer him a solution that wasn't quite what he was looking for, and it went back and forth. We had this really long, drawn-out phone call. Well, Greg, in frustration, decides to go ahead and escalate this. He sends an email to the CEO of the company, and it's interesting because in the, in the escalation, in the letter to the CEO, he says, I felt like the customer service representative was just trying to get me off the phone so they could move on to the next customer. And sometimes Ouch. it feels like that when you call in yeah. a complaint. And so in an effort to resolve the issue, the company actually had somebody reach out to him and say, hey, we want to upgrade your product for free, so sorry about what happened. And interestingly, Greg actually declined the offer. You know, he said, I'm perfectly capable of paying for the upgrade. All I really wanted was for someone to listen to what I had to say and take what I'm telling you seriously. Uh, to me, that kind of feedback is tough because here you have a customer, big fan of the company, wants to provide some feedback to help us make things better for all future customers. And here, if we're not taking it seriously and, and not putting those, uh, that feedback to use and making those improvements, he's not going to feel valued. Here he's trying to contribute, and we're not taking it. Right, and so it wasn't about a complaint. It was about a suggestion, and, boy, I hate when that happens. I, I had a friend of mine. I went to dinner with him one night and to a restaurant where I never like to go because the owner is a jerk. That's the best way I can describe him. And this guy said, Shep, I want to go back there. I love that restaurant. We went back there. He ordered a chicken sandwich. I can't even remember what I ordered. It doesn't matter. And on, like, the last bite of his chicken sandwich, he got a piece of bone or gristle or something in the chicken sandwich. Never said a word to the server or anybody. The owner comes over, amazingly, because he's never come over before to ask me, how was my meal? Uh, he has come over, but it wasn't for that. And uh, he, he asked, so how is everything? And uh, my friend says, you know, the chicken sandwich is delicious, but on that last bite, I, I think I got a bone or something. And anyway, he looks at him quizzically and walks away. Comes back a few minutes later, and he says, I just talked to the chef. There was nothing wrong with the chicken. <laughs> that was his response. <laughs> And, and my friend said, I, I wasn't, I wasn't complaining. I was just telling you, asked me how things were. I, I, I mean, he goes, what do you want me to take it off the bill? No, I don't want you to take it off the bill. That's not what I was asking, you know, but immediately this guy goes into a defensive mode and maybe, maybe that's part of the training is that we need to train people that, Hey, sometimes we need to ask the customer, what are you looking for today? And you know, the customer may say, you know, I'm really not looking for anything other than make this suggestion. I thought you guys might want to know. And I think it's really important at that point that you listen, you take notes, and you get back to the customer and thank them for their suggestion. Kind of follow through, even if it's just in a couple of days, sending an email saying, hey, I passed this up to my superiors. Thank you so much. That's an excellent approach. So anyway, I, I love the concept. Complaints are a goldmine of process improvement opportunities. And I know part of what you talk about, and I want to get into the next area, is that a personal emotional connection. And I think that's important. You've kind of mentioned that was important and talked about it through some of your stories. But let's, let's go over that and, and blow that one up for a little while. Thanks, Jeff. Giving credit where it's due, this is a term coined by Tony Shea in his book, Delivering Happiness. Of course, Tony being the CEO and founder of Zappos, talks about his concept of personal emotional connections and how important that is to exceptional customer experience delivery. And, you know, for me, I think this, this kind of reminds me of a study that I read about once that was done by a university. And they took all of these research participants and they hooked them up to 
heart rate monitors and other physiological monitoring devices, and then they subjected them to what people might consider to be great customer service experiences. And at the end of the study, in reviewing all of the data, what they found was that these individuals exhibited the same physiological characteristics that someone does when they're falling in love, right? And so it sounds a little corny and we might laugh at that, but to me, that's an amazing concept. When you think about loyalty stemming from how a customer feels about the company versus all of the other things that we might consider when we think about customer loyalty. Wow. And so yeah. I think that lo- loyalty it. and satisfaction are very much rooted in emotion and how they feel about the company they're doing business with. Right. I just interviewed Andy Masters, so everybody will be listening. If they haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. Um, and Andy, his, uh, his book was called Kiss Your Customer. And basically, it's 77 ways to romance your customer. And he took all of the ideas that he had when he romanced his girlfriend, who's now his wife, uh, and he said, this all applies to, to customer service and sales. And just, you know, there is an emotional connection. I think that's the key. You connect emotionally. You don't just go through the motions. You don't just take care of the customer. You don't want a satisfactory experience. You want something that creates loyalty. And and I think that, you know, you kind of hit it on the head. There's emotion connection. If satisfactory is a rating, uh, loyalty is an emotion. Mm-hmm. And if, if I could use an example, one way to, to think about this concept is to say, what does it feel like when you're a regular, whether it's at a coffee shop or a Where everybody bar, knows your name? <laughs> yeah, like that Cheers, exactly. the Cheers theme song, right? Exactly. But, I mean, the, the reality is the service is going to be probably kind of the same whether you're a, a regular or not but you know when you are a regular they, they talk to you they treat you uh, maybe a little bit differently they know your favorite drink or order and it feels different um, when you're a regular you want to keep going back to that place because it feels comfortable it feels authentic it feels like they truly care about you and so being able to replicate that feeling of helping a customer feel like a regular even on the on the first visit that's, I think that's the challenge, but if you can do that, you're going to have certainly a, a long-term relationship with that customer. Yeah, love it. All right, we, we're going to start running out of time. I want to, uh, to uh, go into a little bit more about the tone of customer service. You, you talked a little bit about it beforehand. I know that it's really tough to com- connect emotionally when something's being typed out, whether it be in a chat conversation, an email, or even on social media. How do you connect or how do you take tone to a personal level in these, what I would call, two-dimensional uh, medians? Yeah, so, so much of it comes down to uh, are, are you paying attention to what the customer is asking? And they'll know when you're not because you've got to address the things that they're asking. So, number one, are you, are you listening proverbially if we're talking about email or chat? But then, you know, have some fun with it. I think what's interesting is, is chat today can be a little bit more playful than the professionalism one typically associates with a telephone call. And so some companies might have different schools of thought on whether to use an emoticon to kind of lighten up the situation. But I think when you do, it creates a more real interaction where that customer feels like they're talking to a real person rather than a robot. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to think that they're talking to a robot. And so I think specifically when it comes to email or chat, you know, have some fun, uh, be fun, and be real with the customer and be yourself. When it comes to a telephone call, it's that authentic voice. And I talked a little bit about that earlier about you don't want to sound scripted. You want to sound authentic. 
And if you're unsure what that might sound like, have a couple of people role play. Uh, I did this experience once where I was uh, trying to illustrate a different point. I had two of my team members engage in a role play. First thing I noticed, both of their voices went up about half an octave. Uh, they just kind of went into this higher-pitched, more professional voice as they were interacting with each other. And I, and I said, let's put the brakes on this. I want you to, to realize that you, you sound different now in the role play than you normally sound when I'm having a face-to-face conversation with you. Let's try this again, and I want you to sound like your real selves. And they did. And it sounded completely different, but it sounded believable, authentic. It sounded real. I love it. And how do you deal with uh, AI, artificial intelligence? Is that something you're getting involved in, or are you still focused on truly having the human touch at what you do? Well, I think in this day and age, you've really got to embrace emerging technology as it's coming out, but I think there will always be a place for the telephone customer service interaction. One of the things that I've seen in our business is, of course, we survey customers across mediums, and what I found is that we have higher, the highest satisfaction ratings are in our telephone channel consistently. Next highest is chat, and then after that, closely, is email. And what I've noticed is customers truly feel like they're having a better experience when they've made a friend. They feel like they're talking to a real human who really cares about their situation. Right. So I'm going to ask you two more questions. My wrap-up question is coming in a moment, but I need to know, you you mentioned a couple other, um, you, you mentioned email is followed in satisfaction levels uh, to obviously telephone being number one. How, what's your, what is your expectation of good response time in social responses or uh, chat, obviously, it's almost instant, but uh, email, you know, somebody emails in or somebody posts something on Twitter, Facebook, or any other review site uh, that you might be monitoring. What's a good reaction time or response time? For me, and so my answer is going to stem from a Forrester Research uh, survey that I read about a couple of years ago where they actually surveyed customers to ask this very question. The majority of customers indicated that a four- to six-hour turnaround time on email was certainly acceptable and would satisfy them. Um, Some companies shoot for a 24-hour turnaround, but I think that four to six hour, you're creating a great customer experience. Really? Okay. I would have figured it would be under an hour. I mean, that was something we briefly touched on. Uh, uh, Eptica did that research that said the average response time to email, I believe, was seven hours and 52 minutes or something like that. Uh, Twitter was seven hours and 12 minutes, and I'm thinking – if I want my question answered in seven hours, I'd probably wait to ask the question. But, you know, would you, is an hour an unreasonable expectation? No, absolutely not. And I think most customers will get that pretty quick turnaround time on their first inquiry. Where it gets a little bit tricky is we try and keep that customer engaged with that same customer service representative. And so if there is any back and forth and that customer service representative has gone home for the day, then there might be a little bit of delay in subsequent emails. But would, would I think recommend for that first response, yeah. pretty quick. And would you recommend that the uh, whoever that support rep is give an expectation of what the response time is going to be? Absolutely. I think that's certainly a best practice. Yep. All right. All right. So we're, basically we're out of time. This has been amazing. I could talk to you for hours and hours. What one final nugget do you want to share with us? Is there one thing that you want us to remember, take away, do, it's yours. What would it be? Certainly. 
when you think about this concept of customer service, one of the things that I'm always reminding my staff about is this, and it's this question, who is your customer? And of course, we might think, well, it's the person calling me on the telephone, or it's my client, right? Those are the traditional responses. But when we take a step back, and if I have this expectation that my customer service representatives are creating exceptional customer experiences for the people calling on the phone, then I have to ask myself, Nate, who is your customer? Well, I have quite a few customers, and my most important customer is my, are my wife and two children. I also have my team that report to me. They're customers of mine, meaning I have an obligation to do everything I can do for them after I've done what I'm supposed to do. And then, of course, my staff, my customer service representatives are also my customers. And if I treat my role that way and set that kind of example for them, only then will they see what customer experience is supposed to look like, sound like, and most importantly, feel like, and then they know how to create that for our customers. Model the behavior is what you're saying. Show them, treat them the way you want their customer treated. Uh, Right there in Salt Lake City, the great Stephen Covey, that was one of his concepts, is to treat the people you work with the way you want your customers treated. It's so true and so critical. And unfortunately, in a lot of call centers, quote-unquote, today, um, it's not always the reality, but where we can make it a focus, we'll start to see a lot higher customer, when I say customer, employee satisfaction. Right. Love it. Love it. Well, you know, we went a little bit long, but I think it was so well worth it. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the wisdom of Nate Spears, the COO and the co-founder of ClearSource, uh, sharing us uh, with us amazing insights into how to deliver an exceptional customer service experience. My name's Shep Hyken, and you've been listening to Amazing Business Radio. And as I do on every show, I like to end with three important words, and that is this, always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.